Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast by EQFIT. We are embarking on a journey of discovery, and that journey is about the elements that make a healthy organization. I think where I have to start, though, is how did I get here? Tell you a little bit about my journey. Number one, the old saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's where I am today. That's not where it started, but that's where I am today. Let me tell you about my journey. I've been in business more than 40 years. I've had my own business several times. Uh, in the past 30 years, I've used the tools of psychology in helping organizations uh, become more healthy, uh, hire better, train and develop employees and leaders, and really focus in on measuring the things that are truly important. The search for what was missing in organizational health for me really moved me forward in the last decade to find that thing that was missing in most organizations. It's easy to point to culture. It's easy to point to skill sets. It's easy to point to different personalities. But those are only elements of what makes a healthy organization or, frankly, what leads to an unhealthy organization. But how do you bring it together? How do you pull together the disparate elements of organizational life to create the organizational health that you want. Um, I had an epiphany a few years ago. Underneath every decision, underneath every behavior, are a set of emotions. If you drill down far enough, you'll find emotions driving those decisions, those behaviors. Now, I've had business owners come to me and say, there's no room in business for emotions, to which I said, I think I just saw one in you. The reality is we cannot remove our emotional life from our logical life. Our brain has two halves, the left half more focused on logical, rational Things the right half more focused on creative and emotional uh, things, well-being, balance, quality of life, different things that are so critical. Relationships. Um, we get into relationships around enjoying being with other people. How do you build a friendship? How do you build a company? How do you build followership if you're a leader? Emotional intelligence is at the key. It's at the heart of all of this. And that epiphany really made me uh, branch out on my journey to look at what's possible. What can we measure? How does it impact if someone knows what that looks like? If you can hold a mirror up for someone where they can see how the different emotional competencies that they have are impacting their decisions, their behavior, their leadership, their ability to work well as a team member. 
all of this is the pathway to better understand what's missing when we see organizations that are not as healthy as they would like to be or they should be. So the last several years, we have been integrating emotional intelligence into our work to the point it has become foundational in pretty much everything that we do. So let me start with a story. Not just my story, but a client's story. Several years ago, I had a client approach me and ask, I'd love to bring my values into the culture of my company, but over the time of building my company, that really hasn't been done intentionally. We had a great conversation about culture change. Change itself is something that a lot of people struggle with, but usually what I've found If you give people a good reason why the change is necessary and show them the rewards that are possible through the change, the the better pathway, the more enjoyable workplace, people are willing to, to come alongside you and help you in that change process. And make no mistake, it is a group effort. You can't do it on your own. So we went through a period of discovery. Uh, We looked at a variety of different elements within the organization. Uh, We did uh, kind of a hybrid of a organizational diagnosis, uh, the old way of doing it, but also used some tools of psychology to help us better understand where are people today? What are their thoughts? What are their feelings? Um, We did some leadership 360s to get a feel for what leaders thought about themselves, but also what other people were saying about their leadership. You know what we found? We found things that we find in a lot of organizations who are struggling with organizational health. We found toxicity in some places. We found a lack of engagement, Uh, engagement being defined as the emotional commitment that somebody has to the effort How much are they putting in? Uh, Are they putting their whole self into the work effort? There were poor communications going on, ineffective hiring practices, uh, almost a revolving door kind of approach to hiring. There were no real clarity on values, even though the leadership had a general idea of what the values of the organization were. Nobody was championing those values. There was no guiding coalition of leadership. Leaders led their own areas and and there was a lot of finger pointing and blaming. And we all know how unproductive that is. There was no effective feedback process. And to have a good feedback process, you really have to create psychological safety, a place where people can come be a part of something, understand that their comments, their questions are not going to be ridiculed, are not going to be put down, and that they have a right to speak. And we also found 
that underneath all of these elements were a set of emotional detractors that were keeping the organization from making the changes they needed to make and being able to achieve the culture that they wanted to work and live in. One of the quotes I'll always remember is from a good friend and author, Larry Solomon. He says, people jump to their own confusions. I love that quote. And it's so indicative of so many organizations where when there isn't enough information, people fill in the blank with stuff they make up. And that's reality. That's human beings are meaning makers. And I think we have to be aware that underneath that is going to be what we call confirmation bias or just a bias toward themselves, being more positive, making up that story that, that they look better than, than those around them. Now we move to the challenge. The challenge in this organization, and all of this in the context of my journey and my desire to help organizations be as healthy as they possibly can, generally speaking, companies get the culture they tolerate. I've heard this many times, and it's very true. And this was true with this organization. The behavior you tolerate is what you'll get. The accountability that you tolerate is what you'll get. The personal ownership you tolerate is what you'll get. If you want higher levels of those things, then you need to put some form of accountability in place that creates consequences for those standards if they're not met. Consequences are not always bad things. Sometimes they can be good things. But I think people don't see it that way. So when they hear accountability, there's a concern about, oh, no, that's not good. We're going to get punished for this. But healthy organizations don't look at it that way. Here's what we found. And, and here's where the, the real challenges uh, came down to some of the root causes and the solutions we attach to those. In the first place, the best way to change your organization is to hire right the first time. Create a process that allows you to hire the right people. And when I say that, the right people, the right fit, what I'm talking about is not just the needs of the position, the needs of the team, the needs of the organization, the needs of the culture, all of those things in the hiring process. The second thing, which was very clear, is enhance leadership. How do we enhance leadership? We develop it. We grow it. We see where leaders are today, and we help them move forward to become a better leader tomorrow. By the way, my definition of leadership, people learn to lead themselves well first, then they lead other people. If you can lead yourself well, you can lead other people well. And that is a, a very defined methodology for leadership development that we have put in place and has been extremely successful for many of our clients. Number 
Three, create that psychologically safe environment for feedback. Without a psychologically safe place for people to provide feedback, this is what you're going to get. You're going to see the same problems happen over and over with no long-term fix. A lot of short-term fixing, but no long-term solutions. You're also going to have people hold back. They're not going to necessarily be fully engaged. And we know from research, an engaged employee will give you two to four times the productivity of an of a non-engaged employee or a neutral employee. Another thing that was critical with this client, we had to bring clarity and focus to shared goals and values. Until people bought into that, do we agree with the goals? Do we agree with the values? Can we rally around those things? Until that happens, it's very difficult to get the changes in the transition that you want, and really more of a transformation. It's one thing to change, and then things change back. We're looking for transformation. How do we become the butterfly from the caterpillar and not go back? Another thing that was very important for this organization was to create the right metrics. I'm sure you've heard the old phrase, what gets measured is what gets done. There's a great deal of truth to that. So when you look at measures and metrics, KPIs, those kinds of things, make sure that you're measuring what truly matters. Are these key activities that will lead to the right productivity? And the last thing I'll say about the solutions part of this is develop everyone. Don't just take one or two leaders and try to develop them on that developmental pathway. I read a great book uh, a while back, probably a couple of years ago, called An Everyone Culture, Becoming a Deliberately Developmental Organization. There was something in that book that just struck me extremely strong, and that was this quote. In most organizations, everyone is doing a second job no one is paying them for. Most people are spending time and energy covering up their weaknesses, managing other people's impressions of them, showing themselves to their best advantage, playing politics, hiding their inadequacies, hiding their uncertainties, hiding their limitations. Hiding. Imagine recapturing this energy for the good of the organization and its employees. That quote really struck home for me because we see that in every organization that we work with. It doesn't necessarily happen to the majority of people in organizations, but this is one of the key elements keeping organizations from being optimally healthy and creating a competitive advantage through their people. So let's finish up today with the solution. Where where did we take this? What happened? We designed and executed a set of initiatives that gave us great success. Did it happen overnight? 
Of course not. The culture had many, many years to get where it was. People don't change overnight. Situations don't change overnight as a rule, especially when we're talking about the organizational health, the organizational uh, situation. We have to remember, we have to give organizations and people time to make the changes and transformation desired. We have to give them a rallying point, a shared goal, a set of values that they can not only understand, but they can support, that they can engage with fully. And we also know people have to do their own work to achieve the change that's desired. And in the right setting with the right group of people, getting that kind of energy around individual change that leads to team change, that leads to organizational change, you can get a momentum going that can significantly enhance the organizational health and competitiveness for the future. And this is where the strongest organizations live. They live in that place of curiosity and learning and ongoing development and supporting each other and treating external and internal customers better than they treat themselves. And of course, the key to all of that is equipping, equipping people or the development process. And that is the fuel for change. I heard a quote recently by a good friend, David Tubley. And when he said this, it struck me. Here's the quote, and I've adapted it a little bit, but I give David credit for this. The internal resources that you have to face the next challenge, the next crisis, or the next opportunity are only those resources you have built to that point. So when a crisis comes, when a new opportunity comes along, you can't just run down to the 7-Eleven and pick up a set of resources for internal motivation or something else. Be nice if you could, but it doesn't work that way. So when you think about the challenges, the opportunities, the crises that you're facing today, do you think that's going to get less in the future? No, but your equipping can get better. You can be more prepared for the next challenge, the next opportunity. So as we close this today, I really want to focus on what do you do in your organization to identify areas that are not as healthy as you want them to be? As we close out today, and again, thank you for being here. Here's what we know. People are the most important asset any organization has. That's where your competitive advantage lies. It isn't in computer systems. It isn't in something anybody else can buy or everybody would have that competitive advantage. It's the people. How do you bring them on board? How well do they align with your culture? How well do they align with the needs of the company, the position, the team? How well do they get up to speed? How quickly can they move? What is the ramp-up period? 
Hiring is the best opportunity to enhance the organization in a in a rapid fashion. The second thing, organizational health is the pathway to success. In the future podcasts, we will talk about specific practices, methodologies, tools. We'll cover everything from brain science to the tools of psychology applied in business to leadership development to you name it. Anything to do with getting the people side of of your organization right, that's what we're going to focus on. Patrick Lencioni, very well-known author and consultant, has got a book out called The Advantage. And in that, there is a, a very clear quote, organizational health trumps everything in business. And whether you're in business or in ministry or in any other type of organization, organizational health trumps everything. If that's the case, what are we doing about it? And that's where I want to leave you today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Building Healthy Organizations by EQ Fit. For more information, tips, and deeper insight, feel free to go to our website, gscfit.com. Feel free to visit our YouTube channel uh, by the same name, Building Healthy Organizations. Join us on this journey as we explore how to build healthy organizations.